Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, monster trucks and ridiculous cars. It's everything from being on a roller coaster that you are in control of the track direction. Mixed with standing at the edge of a cliff with about a thousand foot drop off in front of you. So all that combined, it's just, it's intimidating, it's exciting, it's it's just a rush like no other. We'd stop at a red light and I'd shut the truck off so it wouldn't get hot. And there's people pulling up next to me like, what in the hell is a monster truck doing in a turning lane? Can you look back on a spot, on a moment in your life where you could say, I should have made a different decision here. I screwed my life up here i want to thank you so much for joining us if you get a chance like download subscribe share we really appreciate it it really helps us out so our first guest has one of these jobs that i think anybody who's seen this on tv or in person thinks for at least a second man it'd be cool to drive one of those things he is the driver of the monster energy monster truck this is monster truck driver Cody Saucier. What's it like driving a monster truck? It's tough to put into words, but the best explanation that I can give, it's everything from being on a roller coaster that you are in control of the track direction and what loops it takes and what high speed curves it takes and if it's going to go forward and if it's even going to go backwards. <laughs> Mixed with standing at the edge of a cliff with about a thousand foot drop off in front of you. So all that combined, it's just the ultimate adrenaline rush. I've rented, ridden dirt bikes before and I've jumped big on those things, but it just doesn't compare to <clears throat> the size and the power of the trucks because it's, it's deceiving. You know, they're not supposed to do what we do with them. And then to get inside and strap in and, and do the things we do, it's, it's intimidating. It's exciting. It's it's just a rush like no other. Is it because of like the raw power, the horsepower? Is it because of like this thing's hard to control? Is it because of the jump or just kind of like all of the above? Um, They do have big power. Uh, to me, they don't have enough power. But what they can be dangerous. I mean, it's not sugarcoated. They can be very dangerous to the driver. So you got to respect the and, uh, and driver it with some respect and. But just to think, like, man, 
I'm getting ready to hit this jump that's in front of me that's four times the height of the truck itself and send this thing easily 100 feet in distance. That's nothing. And it's going to go 60 feet in the air, and that's nothing. So just to to think about what you're doing in the trucks is just it's pretty impressive. I didn't realize it was that those jumps were that high or that far. Like it, it doesn't um, look quite like that on TV. It doesn't, but you go to some of the events, you know, and they have these pit parties that are out on the track before the event. And, you know, you could walk around and see the trucks up close and actually walk on the track. And I get it all the time from, from a lot of newcomers, obviously they're like, man, that jump didn't look like that on television. I'm like, <laughs> well, welcome to our world. It seems like they get bigger every weekend for us, but uh, yeah, man, they they the dirt crew that that Monster Jam has is those guys are awesome, man. They they try to nail it every weekend, giving us the same faces. When I say faces, the other the face of the ramp every weekend, and uh, things change, and especially during the freestyle events, you know, <clears throat> the first guy to go out can kind of make a break how the rest of the field is going to perform because if he goes out there and knocks all the ramp down, well, now you got some work to do to make yourself look good. I would have assumed like, ah, it's like 15 feet high and maybe like two cars long. I did not really, that's damn. Yeah. There's some big stuff out there, man. They're, you know, they're, they're piling up school buses side by side and stacking cars inside of them. And then they're piling dirt beside it. And they're like, okay, good luck. <laughs> like, oh, have you, deal. Have you ever gone up to one and been like, hey, man, I don't know about this jump. I don't think we should add the lava and the flaming hoop <laughs> and the alligators all at the same time. Have you ever had like a, an instance where I, I don't know if I want to do this one? Often, yes. But it's not to say that we don't go for it anyway. We'll make some changes. We'll tell the dirt crew like, hey, man, that, that, that just looks a little too steep. You know, it's just not going it, to it's not going to have the effect that you're looking for, you know. Take it from us. We're behind the wheel. If if the dirt is cupped out, then it's just it's not going to make for what you think it's going to do. So we constantly make changes, and you're in control of the vehicle. So if there's something out there you don't want to hit, then by all means, <laughs> you don't have to hit it. Some things are extremely intimidating. I hit, you know I I see it all the time. It's like man, that's that's a straight up wall right there. I'm gonna go drive around that. <laughs> is this something that you set out to do, or is this something that just happened? As a kid, man, I, I've always been intrigued by the trucks in particular. I mean, I'm a gearhead my whole life. I've followed all forms of motorsports, but just something about the trucks. I, I don't know as a young kid if it was like a cartoon come to life kind of thing. And, you know, the, the trucks are big, they're loud and intimidating and scary. And as I grew older, I'm like, you know, I got more mechanically inclined and knowledgeable. It's like, man, these things really are freaking cool. So, at an early age, I just fell in love and like, man, I would like to try that one day. And my love for that in baseball, I wanted to be a pro baseball player and make enough money to have my own monster truck. Well, that never, none of that ever happened. So I had to go work for somebody that had their monster truck and I could go play with theirs. So here I am. Do you fill out like a job application to be the driver? I mean, how does that, you just work your way up or how does that process work? You know, kind of like other forms of motorsport, you work your way up from the bottom. I literally started just kind of volunteering my time. When the events would come around me, um, I would just I would just go and, hey, do you need any help doing anything? I 
you know, I've got two hands. I'm willing to work. I've got my work boots on. Let's, let's do something. So it was slow at first, you know, all I got was like, ah, oh, yeah, kid. Yeah. You can, you can wipe the truck off if you like, or at the end of the show, you know, come back and you can roll up extension cords for us and help us pack the trailer. And that went on for the longest of times. And finally it just, it, it picked up enough to where I got my face recognized and my name known. So whenever the guys did come back to my area, like, Oh, Hey man, call that one kid up, Cody, you know, he can come help us change that transmission or something that we got to knock out before the event even starts. So little by little, it led to uh, a part-time gig to a full-time position to man, 24 seven, some kind of thing, you know, living and breathing it now. Is this the full-time living? Like you could, you can do this and someday retire just off of it, or do you have to supplement in other ways? I, you know, I know some guys that what they're considered in the industry, uh, privateer or independent teams, guys that, you know, have footed their own bill doing this stuff, you know, their entire monster truck career. Like for example, there's a gentleman that lives right here near me in Florida, Scott Hartsock. He has the gunslinger truck. And he's been in the industry since the late 80s, and he's just made a huge name for himself. And I respect the guy so much because it's always been just the name of the truck on the side and not a sponsor sticker to be found. And he's still out there taking names and, you know, kicking ass with TV trucks. And he's got it figured out, man. So to answer your question, there's definitely money to be made. Absolutely. Like when when you're driving the truck, do you do everything else too? Like are you the mechanic? Are you the... I don't, I don't know enough about mechanics. I don't know enough about sure, trucks to sure, come up with anything sure. other than mechanics. Um, it used to be that way, yeah. My first three years driving, I started competing uh, in 2014. And for the following three years or three tours, I guess you could say, uh, 14, 15, and 16, yeah, I was kind of built my own truck, um, maintain it going up and down the road. I'd stay out on the road with it. You know, we'd pack and leave for three months and, that uh, that truck was priority. So every day, you know, you had to be hands on it. There was something that needed to be adjusted and fixed. And it's like a, a full time babysitting job with the trucks. Are a lot of people kind of long time drivers or is this something that somebody like you're going to come in, you can do this for two to five years. You can go on to something else like is, is do a lot of people stick with it. There's probably more guys that have been with it for, you know, several years if not decades and then there are newcomers that are just you know fly by night here one weekend go on the next there's there's probably more guys that have been involved in the industry 10 10 or plus years versus guys that are here for a season or two for sure yeah all right correct me if i'm wrong here i'm going to reveal my my ignorance about the subject so are you guys racing racing or are you like racing like yeah we're racing but really we just we're just going to hit the jumps it's as heads up as it comes, man. We really nobody out there wants to lose. We're all out there to help one another when the helmet's off, but when the helmet goes on, it's man, I can't wait to kick that guy's ass and then buy him a beer later tonight. <laughs> what what's kind of the strategy then when 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 you're racing? Does it like depend on the track, the dirt, the truck, the it, yeah, I mean you nailed it. A little bit of everything. Um you you gotta know you got to know what your your own equipment is capable of. So a guy like myself, I'm mechanically inclined. I like to think that I have a, a one-up on somebody that may not be in the shop all weekend long. Maybe one of these flying guys that just braces monster trucks on the weekend or something like that. So 
we can always kind of sneak in there just just like any other form of motorsport do your little tricks to set up the chassis just the way you like it to compensate for what type of course it is or what's the dirt doing is it sticky is it loamy is it dry is it wet is it so you take all that in consideration and then a lot of times man you just got to drive accordingly and drive your own race because if you if you look at the other guy if the race course gives you an opportunity to look at the other guy in the other lane and you just screwed yourself you don't ever want to look at the other guy <laughs> so i try to always just run my own race and and stay consistent it's kind of like bracket drag racing monster trucks monster truck racing is like bracket drag racing you always just want to hit your marks and you got to be fast of course but as long as you hit your marks you should make it to the final round no problem how come you don't want to look at the other guy just because that the moment of distraction or because maybe what he's doing on his side sure. isn't the same as yours or for sure just that moment of distraction almost like a jinx kind of thing like Oh man, I looked at him now. Now I'm flustered and I'm ahead of him. Maybe I can back off a little bit or I'm behind him. Now I got to catch up. Now I'm driving way too hard. Now I'll just crash the truck because I'm trying to play catch up. So I don't, I don't look at the other guy. Man, this is my problem. A lot of times I don't even know if I won. Like I'll tell my crew, I'm like, are we we good? Can I stay strapped in? Or yeah, no, you're good. Like, no, you went six rounds already. We're going to the final. I'm like, okay. We actually have. A ton, not a ton, a good amount of like listener submitted questions. So are you ready for oh, some cool. harder slash listener submitted questions? Oh yeah, man. Bring it on. I love to hear that kind of thing. Who is more, who is generally more interested to find out you're a monster truck driver, kids or adults? Ah, man, that's a good question. I would probably tend to say lean a little bit more towards adults. Um, I'm 35 years old. Uh, I guess I don't look my age. I look younger. People say I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything, but I look younger. So whenever I say, oh, I do this, and I've traveled to, excuse me, almost 30 countries racing monster trucks professionally. And they're like, you do what? Are you ever going to grow up kind of thing? I'm like, no, I, I get paid well and I love what I do. And it's a blast and travel the world. And I represent, you know, a huge household name or household brand. And, um, the kids just kind of, they see it, you know, they, they come up to me at an event and they just know that I'm the driver of that truck. Like, Oh, that's him. That's monster energy. I don't know his name, but that's him. <laughs> they're, they're more the truck. The adults are more like, man, that's a cool Correct. job. Correct. Yep. He's like, man, how do you land this gig? Or always oh, like, did you go to school for it? And this and that. And it's like, man, it, the adults, the adults are always more intrigued by the driver, you know, his backstory than anything. Could you or could somebody else, right? Like can some – another professional driver for the, the the NASCAR driver that I can think of right off the top of my head like Dale Earnhardt, Dale Earnhardt okay. Jr., could he come in and like, I got this. I can take this truck or is it a very specialized kind of driving? He could probably run the throttle no problem and get the hang of that pretty quick. But everything else, man, it's it just comes with time. Um, if you have some motocross background or even some like dirt track experience, something that's, you know, a lot of RPMs and a lot of drifting and, you know, with the late, the, the round track, late model stuff. And then this motocross stuff, the jumping and knowing the position or the attitude of the vehicle in the air, combine those two things. That's kind of what monster trucks is. It's supercross. Mixed with late model, mixed with 
top fuel or top alcohol drag racing all in one. So it takes a, it takes a, a different breed of cat, so to speak, to figure these trucks out. And I've, I've noticed if there's a newcomer coming in, you can always tell if they do well the very first time that they get in the truck, you know, they do well. I mean, they can operate the front and rear steering clearly, you know, in a controllable manner. They know when to hit the throttle and when not to hit the throttle. If they got that kind of fundamental stuff, they're golden. A lot of people, man, the first time in, it's like you can see them struggle. And right off the bat, I can tell you, he or she is not going to make it. He or she is not going to make it. He's going to have poor performance or they're just not going to like it and just opt themselves out. It happens. (laughs) It's really like it's one of those things you can do it or you can't. Exactly. It's kind of like playing guitar. I wish I could play guitar and I'm a huge guitar fan, but I can't. How much horsepower does your monster truck have? Horsepower? Um, my particular truck is roughly at best, and at best meaning, you know, right conditions, you know, not high in altitude, um, not too much humidity. I think the best we've ever gotten, man, um, out of our dyno guy, Richard Midget is our engine builder, is right at 1,400 horsepower at the crank. Um Horsepower can kind of multiply a little bit with the gearing that we have in the trucks. You know, they're geared, there's so many gear reductions in the monster truck to make the huge tires turn that you could probably add a couple hundred horse just to the gearing. So we're close to 1,500 horsepower as the truck sits race ready. It's a stick shift, right? Uh, no, it's a uh, it's manual valve body, so you have to shift it high low gear. Um, most common is a Chevrolet based Power Glide transmission which is, uh, you know, low and high, fast and faster, I call it. <laughs> so manual valve body, you know, it's got a foot brake. There's no clutch. Foot brake, you hole shot, you take off, click second, and that's it. That kind of leads us into this question. What is your favorite sound that the monster truck makes? <laughs> favorite sound? Um, it's probably... There's so many sounds that come from them, but I'm just old school with it. There's nothing like just a big, blown alcohol-injected motor motor with just this gnarly cam just romp, romp, romp at idle. You know what I mean? That's It sounds so healthy. It's so macho. I think that's the coolest thing, just hearing those trucks idle. What do you, what do, you do with the old tires? That's a very good question. I've seen so many different uses with old tires that aren't being able to be used anymore you know they've been cut too bad or the beads have broken on the on the you know the the bead lip or whatever you want to call it is broken that they can't even seat again on a wheel and hold air i've seen them be used as landfills i've seen them be used as like flower pots i've seen them be used as elephant toys literally elephant toys how do you get them on on on. (laughs) like do you does it take a couple of couple of people to do it or do you have to use like a machine to do it we have uh, a pretty gnarly electric over hydraulic jack that we wheel around and we put under each axle to lift one end of the truck at a time so we can put two tires on at a time um i can tire up a truck you know a guy that's confident and knows what he's doing safely i can tire up a truck and by myself in 20 minutes really yeah you, they're kind of, you know, you use your use the weight of the truck and weight of the tires to your advantage. So you just kind of push them around to where you want it, and then 
use the electric jack to kind of work with you and lift a tire up onto the hub and then spin it to where you got it lined up on the studs and shove it on there, man. And it's, it's a lot easier than you think. But they're heavy as hell though, right? Like they're very heavy, man. They're probably around anywhere between seven to 800 pounds per, per tire, the entire truck fully tired up, fuel in it, driver in it, ready to go racing is they're pushing about 12,000 pounds. This kind of leads into our, the next question that somebody sent us. Which aspect of the truck are you most impressed with? Engine, tires, or frame? I would have to put this in order. I would probably say the chassis design, the frame design, engine, then the tires themselves. I mean, the tires, that particular size, the Chevron pattern, that's been a staple of a monster truck since the very beginning in the late 70s so the progression of that has come a long ways from then don't get me wrong you know there's spec tires being made anymore but the motors i mean these engine companies and and engine component companies are always coming out with something new always bettering you know the cylinder heads are always bettering the the rod and piston so that's always changing it seems like yearly that kind of makes a change for the better but the chassis man the chassis are anymore that's what's that's what's making the trucks be able to do what we do nowadays you rewind five even 10 years ago there's no way a 10 year old truck could compete with today's trucks safely and do the crazy stunts that we do it's just it would just fatigue it so bad that it would not last do you have to constantly rebuild the truck or is it basically the same truck um, so we typically get about three full years, which is quite a bit of shows, man. That's probably pushing over a hundred shows on a chassis. After that, we cut the chassis apart, take all the components off of the chassis and put a fresh chassis underneath it. You can only bend and twist metal so many times before it comes brittle, breaks easy, you don't always want to be welding on a thing because it just becomes unsafe, you know, for the driver. You you just you can't you can't be replacing bars in it all the time. So every excuse me, every three years we put a new chassis in it. Good, bad, doesn't matter. It's just insurance for us. Less work in the long run. Um, yeah, that's that's how we operate. Is it is it safe or is it like as safe as we can get it? The monster truck industry is you know, I've never been in any other form of motorsport professionally, so I can't really sit down with their rule book committee guys and say, you're doing this wrong or you're doing this right. But, man, I, I've i been involved for many years and have followed for many years. And the progression has come from guys wearing open face helmets, wearing a lap belt in these trucks way back in the day to now. Man, we're doing this. We're looking. We work hand in hand with like the Navy and stuff, and we're using very similar belts that these fighter pilot guys are using and that's the kind of thing we're messing with anymore containment seats that are built specifically for the driver you get a suit made you go get a tuxedo made for yourself for a big event that same dimensions of your body we're taking into consideration to get these seats built so the seat in each truck is built for that driver just so he's contained or she is contained that much more and is that much safer we're using seven point harnesses i mean you know, ever since Earnhardt's accident years ago, everybody wears some sort of neck restraint. I personally use a Hans device. You have to wear some sort of neck 
protection and not just a neck collar, some sort of neck protection device that is held on to your helmet, held on to the restraints in the, in the seat, because man, we're pulling some extreme G's when we take these, these hits, you know, even just a landing off of a big jump is, is insane. Have you ever been injured? Uh, knock on wood, nothing serious, but I'm sore the next day for sure. Because I mean, every jump is, is a car crash. In the beginning, my first few years driving, my very first weekend, I'll be honest, I didn't really have a clue what I was doing. <laughs> but I remember getting in the shower after that night and just my thighs around my my thighs, down to my crotch and my shoulder blades. It looked like somebody beat me with a leather belt just from being strapped in the truck and getting tossed around. I once accidentally jumped a Buick like a foot <laughs> off the ground. And I still remember landing and thinking like, Holy crap, that is not yeah. what I thought it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I've hit, I've, you know, I've driven the truck around, like moving it and stuff. And I've, I was totally unstrapped, not doing anything crazy. I'm moving the truck and it was fully tired up. Ga- the shocks were gassed up, everything ready to go racing. So I'll just move it. I trotted along, first gear. All right. I'm, I'm pretty high in RPM. I don't want to hurt the motor. Clicked high gear. I'm, I'm going maybe 25 miles an hour. And I hit a curb in a parking lot. It it literally almost threw me out of the, like, onto the ground, out of the truck. <laughs> Just there's so much tire bounce and, you know, it's so, it's so rigid doing the little things. It's meant to be jumped and jumped big. So it's crazy how much we rely on the belts and harnesses and the seat to keep us safely in the truck. Busiest road you've ever taken it on. Like, you can't drive that. Can you drive that on street? Like that's not legal. Not legal. Not legally. No, not legally without you know permits and stuff. I have driven them. Yeah, I've driven them quite a ways actually, enough to where we had to refuel it on public road. Um, oh man, this was years ago, like 2008, something like that. We did a display at a Ford dealership in Oklahoma City, and our rig was having some issues, so we weren't able to go pick the truck up, take it back to the arena. So we got with like. The local law enforcement, they gave us a police escort. And it was like, it was like 10 city blocks away back to the arena. (laughs) And we had to obey, you know, streetlights and stuff like that. So I got this police officer in front of me, way in front of me, because I I told him, stay pretty far ahead of me because I can't see directly in front of me. His truck's so tall. I can't just see over the hood. You need to stay 50 yards ahead of me so I can safely see you. And, um, We'd stop at a red light and I'd shut the truck off so it wouldn't get hot. And there's people pulling up next to me like, what in the hell is a monster truck doing in a turning lane? (laughs) (laughs) I knew this was the wrong day to drive through downtown. I knew it. Okay. So obviously your truck is the coolest name truck. But if you had to pick a different truck, they're like, who's got the coolest name? Oh, man. There's there's some pretty catchy names out there, man. You know, I've always hated when people compared it to wrestling, monster trucks and wrestling. I hated that. But there's so you can't help, but there's some cool names in wrestling and there's some cool names in monster trucks. And it, it kind of coincides that way. But I, I mean, how cool is the grave digger? Like, that's, that's scary. That's that. scary as hell. And it's like intimidating. And the truck's just badass looking. And it's got this Grim Reaper dude in the side of it. It's like, that's pretty damn cool. I mean, Bigfoot, that's just a, that's a staple. That's just cool. The trucks look like a Bigfoot. I don't know. <laughs> that, that is kind of like, in terms of if you were to like rank things, like that's, that's some of the best names for that thing. 
Like yeah. Gravedigger's got to be up there, right? Like that's a pretty good name for that thing. Um, <laughs> that's that's all the questions that we got, man. Is cool. there anything kind of you think that we missed, or what's coming up next for you? Oh man, we could sit here and talk. You know, the past, the future. We could sit here for hours talking about it. But um, man, it's just it's hit or miss right now with events, with what's being allowed at, you know, certain cities and venues as far as what we can do event wise. So it's been slow. It's been, uh, it's been a waiting game for a lot of us, including myself. So, um, I'm hoping by July we're back out there. I know there's a lot of events on schedule without a truck and driver list. So I'm hoping to get back out there sooner than later. Um, I'm working full-time at a four-wheel drive shop here. I live uh, in Tampa, Florida, so I'm working at a four-wheel drive shop here in the meantime. But, um, man, anxious to get back out there for sure. I mean, it's been my life for my entire life. It's been my dream to compete in Monster Jam and Monster Trucks. So it can't come soon enough. It just COVID's messing everything up, but we got to stay healthy and if it means sitting out for a little while, then that's what we got to do. I want to thank Cody so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we have linked to him on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Instagram and Twitter, and we have also included his information in the episode description. Okay, now let's go ahead and bring in John Shaw. When you were a child, you obviously had dreams that you have things that you wanted to do as you got older, correct? Of course, of course. In hindsight, what of those dreams do you look back on and like, man, that was a stupid thing for me to dream about. Like, there was absolutely no way I was going to be able to accomplish that. Oh, 100%. It's the athletic dreams. 100%. Do you feel like while some people expect greatness from others, people have expected failure from you? <laughs> it's kind of funny to think about that, really, because like we're both employed and our employers... <laughs> kind of true, right? <laughs> like Our employers... <laughs> You know, and our boss and things think we're really good. But then on another level, it's like, maybe we just are doomed for failure. <laughs> It'll be a letdown. Who knows? Do you feel then like you got screwed? Do you feel like life screwed you? <laughs> no, I, I don't actually. I don't. Uh, I, I do feel like I could have made other decisions that, that may have given me better a better opportunity to maybe achieve those dreams or goals that I had. But at the end of the day, I was, it just wasn't going to happen. I was always going to be 5'11", overweight. Even if I worked out every day for five years, you have other things that you're meant to do. Maybe I haven't found it yet. I don't know. I kind of feel like I'm playing blackjack and I have like 13. <laughs> and I don't know, right? For people who don't, aren't familiar with blackjack, the goal is to get 21. I believe the dealer usually stays at like 17 or 18 and I've got like 13 <laughs> and I'm kind of just screwed. Like you got a good hand, but uh, what am I going to do with this? Well, I, right? I do think, I do think you're, you're a couple years older than me. I do think we are hitting that, that age of our life or of our lives where, you know, I think it's just natural to look back and be like, should I have made a left here? Can you look back on a spot on a moment in your life and pinpoint like a moment or moments where you could say, I should have made a different decision here. I screwed my life up here. I, or not, maybe not screwed up, but I set my life on a different path with this decision here. I, I actually think, 
No, I, I can't. I actually think that I made mostly the right decisions when it comes to most things in my life. There are. I don't have. I. I, I say this wholeheartedly. Uh, I don't think I made one decision in my life where I look back and I'm like, I, I should have made the other decision. I have one. When I was first starting out, I had two different job opportunities, and I, in hindsight, I took the wrong one, and probably screwed up that career path for the rest of my life. I also, but by making that choice, I also met my wife. See, that's, I mean, I'm, I, 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 without you going into great detail, which I'm sure no one wants to hear on that story. Uh, I like when I, when I chose to move to Florida and leave the only world I had ever known here in Michigan behind, you could say maybe I shouldn't have done that, but then I wouldn't have met, you know, I wouldn't have met you. I wouldn't have met my wife. And God knows without you in my life, what would I do? Um, all right, <laughs> let's was, move on. Let's plenty. Let's, let's... All right, let's uh, let's give some shout outs, shall we? And I'm trying something a little different. Instead of clicking, uh, for those who don't know, we we record like video as well. But I'm gonna stay on the screen talking to Nick while I read the names instead of clicking off. What I want to see mean, clicking off. Are you gonna try to do it from memory? I am gonna try to do it from memory. Wait a minute. Have you been practicing? And why have you been practicing this? What's the big deal if you look off and look at the screen? This is my COVID return show. I had to bring something to the table. So you'd memorize the people who – what yeah, a waste of your brain space this because, was. You can just no. write it down on a piece of paper. There's no reason to memorize it. I, I agree with you. However – How much time did you waste doing this? I probably spent uh, 20 minutes or so trying to remember the names in order. Okay. If you get here's the problem. This is the problem too, because if everybody has never heard this before, it's kind of complicated because he does the name and then like their handle and then which social media platform they came from. So you're remembering arguably ten names in at least twenty different things, right? You're remembering at least twenty different things to do this correctly. It's an entirely pointless activity on your part. I'm I this is like my return, you know what I mean? Like I'm a wrestler. Okay. And I've been away for a couple of weeks, and I'm back. Like, right? But the whole time you spent training, you were just adjust, adjusting the boots on your laces. Like, you didn't really get ready to come back. You just shined up your shoes. Uh, that 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 doesn't matter. I'm back. I'm ready to go. Okay, let's see if you can do this. Let's hear you. Let's hear you do it. All right, from memory, because this is apparently what he's been yeah. working on to see if his brain is still working. Let's uh, let's hear it. So we're going to start off with Terry Hodge. Appreciate you. Uh, Matthew McClooney. Uh, I believe his uh, um, handle was Mac Jurassic. Appreciate you a lot. Uh, Noel uh, Kittleson. Jake Blue. Uh, Bobby Joe Rodriguez. Cody Chung. Jessica Cunningham. Camille Smith. Camille Smith for life, I believe, was her handle. Ooh. Uh, okay. Gunner D, and I believe he had a uh, such a long handle there, uh, Gunner, that I don't remember it. You're the you're the outlier, but uh, appreciate you. And then uh, Wendy Jansen, Wendy Herbs was her handle. I thought that was kind of kind of awesome. Okay, uh, he got them all basically correct enough. Two questions: um, Matthew McClooney, what is their handle? Their social media handle? Uh, that's Mac underscore jurassic did you look it up no nope okay bobby joe rodriguez rodriguez with a z or with an s uh 
Oh. I'm only going to, I don't remember, but I'm only going to say Z because that's the most common, I feel. Okay, that's correct. Look, so, um, I am impressed thank that you. you were able to memorize all of that. I'm Ooh. also impressed that you, I mean, like that is a totally worthless skill. Totally worthless. What, having a good memory? That's a great skill. No, memorizing that specifically. No, these, listen, I, I think you are, I think people look forward to hearing me screw up their handles and their names every week. I'm sure they appreciate it. Everybody <laughs> likes having, everybody <laughs> likes having someone mispronounce their name. Why not have me do it, man? Do you correct people when they mispronounce your name? No, but my name's not hard to to fuck up or mess up. My name's not hard to mess up, I don't think. No, it doesn't get spelled right. For some reason, my last name is Shoal, and it, everyone always puts a C. There is no C. It's just S-H-U-L-L. I, your, your last name is the one that would be quite confusing. My last name is, is terrible because it's Vinzant, V-I-N, capital Z-A-N-T, all one word. The IRS actually had a tax accountant. I didn't have a tax accountant. My parents had a tax accountant when I was like 13, and he filed my taxes when I had to and screwed up my last name, and now I don't exist with the IRS. It's actually a huge fucking problem. <laughs> the purple pig, man. How are they supposed to pay you out? I don't know. It's a huge <laughs> problem. Thanks, Gary Tenike. <laughs> I mean, he really, like, by filing my taxes in the way that he did, legitimately, like, screwed up a significant portion of that aspect of my life. Because you can't prove who you are with the IRS, because they're like, well, we don't have you. We have this person, but that's not you, because that's not your driver's license. It's actually what? a legitimate problem that causes endless frustration. What do you think Gary Tenick is doing nowadays? Rotting in the grave? I want to know, uh, would you rather have a bigger entrance or a bigger exit. Oh, entrance. Wait a minute. Yeah, bigger entrance. What are, well, what kind of thing are we talking about? Are we talking like a sporting event kind of thing? Yeah, no, I, It's it would be whether we're talking about a sporting event, coming into a party, life in general. I would much rather have a bigger entrance coming in because every that sets the tone for whatever comes next. If you have a better entrance, you've set the tone. You can't set the tone with an exit because you're gone. So you have to have the better entrance. I would agree with you. Having a, a better entrance or a bigger entrance is probably better, I would think. Yeah. That's so good. anyways, uh, luge or skeleton? What's the difference? Luge is, uh, I believe, on your back. Skeleton's on your stomach. Is this? Is, are we talking about some sort of sexual maneuver here? Are we talking about sports? Uh, no, this is a sporting event. Uh <laughs> I guess really that really makes the okay. I know what you're talking about, right? This is the sport where you get a contraption like either the luge or the skeleton, and you go 80 plus miles an hour on ice. So, really, the question then, and I would be answering is, if I'm going to have something terrible happen to me, do I want to face it head on, or do I want to like let my feet brace me before I crash? Like, if I'm going to crash into a wall, do I want to crash into a wall with my feet and then the rest of my body, or head first? If wow, I'm going that you, fast, I want to go head first. You really just took this to a whole other level. I thought this was going to be a 30-second question. Uh, so, I, yeah, I guess that that's the right? much more in-depth question. Like, if I was going to get shot, no offense to people who have been shot or had people, loved ones who have been shot, I'd rather be shot right in the head than, like, bleed out being shot in the chest. Like, I'd rather just... I mean, I'd have to ask, like, am I going to die? Because if I'm, if I'm, if I'm not going to die, I'll just take it in the leg or something. Let's mention this with no follow-up whatsoever. Let's also mention that a guy got shot at John Shaw's bachelor party. All right. Well, yes. No, no. Let's just move on. Um, 
So you find a one hundred dollar bill laying in the uh, you know in the parking lot. You pick it up. Do you leave it? Don pick it up. Why the hell wouldn't I pick it up? I I I don't know, man. You would I, leave I, it there and just walk away. I want to say I would leave it. I don't think I would, but I would want to. I think. I don't think it's even a question. I think everybody would pick up a hundred dollar bill. How I, well are there a bunch of people in the parking lot? Because I'm sure as. <laughs> You can. The only way that I would not pick that up and take it is if, is if it fell directly out of the pocket of the person in front of me, and they turned around and looked at me as it was falling out. That is the only way that I would not pick that up and put it in my pocket. Like I said, I would have to make eye contact with the person who lost it. Like I said, I think I would pick it up, obviously. I think most would, but I, I do think there are some who wouldn't. I don't think it's as clear cut of like, of course I would. I think some people would not pick it up for many okay. reasons. How, what amount of money would you have to find before you wouldn't take it? Like you found a thousand dollars laying in a bag. Would you take a thousand? If it was 25,000, like what amount of money would it take for you to be like, I'm not touching this because somebody's going to be looking for this. And I don't want them finding me. I honestly think I think the hundred dollar bill would be pushing it for me. I really do, because wow. at that at that what point, at that point, I'm like, okay, why? Well, just why? I have more questions than just like blind faith at that at that point. It's got to be to me at least a thousand. No, I probably would take anything under ten. I would take anything under ten thousand dollars if I found it lying there. I mean, no, that's not true. I would take anything under five. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I would snatch it up in a heartbeat if if I would have would think there was no like strings attached. But I'm just I'm I'm too skeptical, man. I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. Nobody just I leaves would... a thousand bucks hanging around. Usually, a thousand dollars I could see depends. It actually would depend a lot on um how it was packaged. Like if it was a thousand dollars in just a like a regular envelope, I would take that. I would take 5000 in a regular envelope. I would take 10000 in a regular envelope. But if it's in like a brown paper bag or tucked inside of another bag and the bag is like left on the corner of a parking lot, I'm not taking I'm not taking a thousand bucks packaged like that. Like that is clearly left for somebody who uh was probably not getting that money through legal means. Yeah, I I think that's what you have to be careful of. Right. Okay, are we ready for our top 5? We are. Okay, so our top five is top five ridiculous cars. And by ridiculous cars, I mean when you see that car, you wonder, like, why would anybody buy that car? (laughs) What's your number five? A Polaris Slingshot. Oh, wait a minute. What is that? Is that one of those, like, three-wheel things? Yeah, Yeah, the best way I can describe it is, like, think of, like, a dune buggy or, like, a sand buggy. But, like, people drive them on the road and they're supposed to look cool. Maybe it's maybe it's somebody who used to ride motorcycles and now they are uh, handicapped and they can't do it anymore. You insensitive jerk. Well, then I'm very sorry for their their fortune, but uh, don't ride around a Polaris slingshot because you look like a fool. Okay. All right. You're yep. gonna go down that road. Yep. You go. You're gonna go down that road by yourself. All right. I'm gonna fair stay enough. here on the safe side of the road. All right, that's uh, fair. My number, my number five is a Mazda Miata. You know, I, I could have put that on my honorable mention. It's not on my list. I mean, it's it's a ridiculous car, but like, it, but it was an economical car. 
right? Like, but if I remember correctly, it's it's more economical, but it's not the it's not that much cheaper than other versions of that kind of car. MSRP base model twenty seven thousand dollars. Okay, so a Mustang is twenty seven thousand for that convertible. Like, why would you get the Mazda Miata and not the Mustang or the Camaro convertible, which is basically the exact same car, right? So that's the same price point. So then it becomes, why did you get the Mazda Miata? It's. I, I think it's more of like an attention thing nowadays. People. I mean, you just said two other options that are much more uh, that are that are a better feasible. car. Yeah. For the same price. So you yeah. specifically got the Mazda Miata. It's like I made this choice to get – no, 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 no. I don't want the nice version of this. Give me something that's a piece of crap for the same price. <laughs> yeah, That's what that person is saying when they drive the Mazda Miata. They probably have uh, a man bun too and uh, you know they wear skinny jeans. Do. Okay, anyways, what's number four? Uh, the VW Bug. The new version I can agree with. The old version I couldn't. That was like a that was like a cool car at the time. The new one, like, why did you buy that? I don't even think I could fit one. So I, I've, I've never. Anytime I see a bug going down the road, I always, I always just go, "Why not just get a Chevy Cruze or a Ford Escort? Like, why why did you have to pretend to be stylish and cool?" And you answered your own question. Well, who the hell wants a Ford Escort? Do you think anybody that has ever been looking around for cars has been like, you know what I really like to get? A Ford Escort. I'm just saying it's it's like you got your dream car. What is it? It's Chevy Cruze. That's what I've always wanted. I just hit me. the lottery. I just hit the lottery. I got a hundred mil. Gonna get that Ford Escort. <laughs> Give me the VW bug, all right? That's Give me the I'd rather VW bug. Jesus Christ. What's your number four? I don't know exactly what they're called, but they look like Easter baskets. Like a Prowler or a PT Cruiser. It just looks oh, like okay. a piece of shit. I, do, I have both of those on my honorable mention, actually. Yeah. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. They, but doesn't that thing just look like, why would you buy that? Who made this? If I was the CEO of that company and I saw that car coming down the production line, I would find everyone involved in the production of that car and fire them. I'm pretty sure they had to stop the Prowler because it was just, uh, just a, the the demand was not what they thought it was going to be. The, the demand, if the demand was one, that was one too many. I can well, I can attest that there was at least two made because I've seen at least two on the road in my lifetime. Right, I would fire <laughs> every single person involved in that decision. <laughs> From just, the people who made it because they didn't have the integrity to just quit their job because they were making <laughs> this piece of shit. To the people who signed off on it at a corporate level, anyone who had anything to do with that car would be fired. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure the cars were made to compete on a uh, a luxury level with, you know, with, with like the Mustang and the Corvette. And they just ended up turning out, out to be these really awfully looking concept cars that were really unsafe. Okay. What's your uh, number three? I, I put any any oversized SUV, specifically like the Ford mm. F650 or the 750. Like just these well, gigantic guests. Not yeah. an SUV. Well, whatever. A truck then. Pickup You don't truck, know the either. difference between a truck and an SUV? Uh, of course I know what the difference is. 
One is okay. a sports utility vehicle. The other is a pickup truck. So let me, I guess I'll go back. I'll go back and I'll say any extra large oversized pickup truck. Could you make that a little bit simpler and say a lifted giant truck? <laughs> because that's what I have at number three as well. Any kind of lifted giant <laughs> truck. I love how you give me shit like if I know the difference and all you could put is a lifted giant truck. <laughs> well, people know what I'm talking about. I don't refer to a truck as an SUV. Well, right? I, I might have different names for a reason. I, I might have been wrong in my – but I clarified it. So any any okay. oversized pickup truck is not needed. Right, and I can't really think – and what's interesting to me is that in doing that to the pickup truck – I may not know enough about it, but in doing that to the pickup truck, you actually defeat the very purpose of the pickup truck, right? Because you can take this truck off into the wilderness or the trails, but when you do that to it, you now can't because it's too big. I defeated the very purpose of you getting it. I just think of all the extra money you spent and that you will spend on fuel and maintenance just to keep up this big ass military size vehicle just right. to go in the backwoods which my honda miata could do you could take that back there right like that's got to be embarrassing if you have this souped up car and then there's basically like a prius that got to the same damn place <laughs> have you ever done anything extra to your car like added any kind of extra feature to it no no i mean tinted windows but i mean is that that's nothing to the body mm. per se really it's a little bit, right? Like that's that's the gateway drug of vehicle modification is tinted windows. What did you need <laughs> tinted windows for? I mean, in Florida, you need tinted windows in Florida. It gets fucking hot down there. Did you have does, does the air conditioning in the car work? Uh, it does now, yeah, but it didn't when I lived there. <laughs> so instead of paying for the air conditioner to get fixed, you instead got the windows yeah. tinted. Listen, I I don't I don't claim to know. How did you make that decision? Because that doesn't make any sense to me. It it doesn't make any sense. I when I how much was it to get the windows tinted? Uh, geez, probably probably about one fifty, maybe two hundred. How much was it for the to get the air conditioner fixed? Couldn't even tell you. I I never had a quote for the air conditioner. Never took it in. Um, so how did you go straight to tinted windows? Because I wanted assumed to... it was going to be expensive, so he's like, you know what, I can fix my air conditioner, but instead I'm going to tint these windows. My thought process, which was not correct, looking right. back on it, was I don't know how much it's going to cost to fix what needs to be fixed in this piece of shit, but I'm just going to make it look kind of cool and have what I want, and I'll just drive it into the ground. It was I not mean, smart. in hindsight, that's like, I understand the decision-making, pr- I understand... Th- well, no, I don't understand the decision-making process, right? Like, I understand the logic of that, but I don't understand how you come to that particular conclusion. Because I make no, because I, I, I made no sense. I know that it didn't make any sense looking back on it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> speaking What's of number- speaking of smart decisions, my number two are smart cars. Ooh, can we save that because? Okay, yes. so my number one is a smart car. Okay. It, Why I, do you feel like a smart car is up there? Uh, well, for one, uh, having gone from Florida to Michigan and back in one road trip in a smart car, Ooh. I can tell you uh, that it, they're not they're not they're not economical. For one, they don't get four hundred miles per gallon like the, like they said they would. 
Um, they can't store for shit. If you're a bigger person like me, there's absolutely no room. Like I was sitting in the entire left side of the car, like there was no back seat. Um, and you you just don't feel safe. Like I, I don't understand how those things pass safety inspections. Well, I mean, they 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 probably pass something, but but I don't. Here's what this the, what not the problem. The reason that the smart car to me is number one is because what it says about you, and what it essentially says about you is. I have no friends who are going to go anywhere with me. I have no stuff to take with me, and I could care less if I get in a serious accident because I'm going to die. <laughs> I, thought, I mean, those are all three points I can't argue against. Maybe, maybe right. not the first one about like you know nobody wants to hang out or I like I don't have any friends. But you I mean, you're essentially saying I will never be able to take more than one person in my car with me. So wherever we're yeah. going, I'm only taking one person. What if like what if John and Bobby both want to go with me? Nope, I don't have to worry about that because I only have one friend. Dude, you're only getting one Johnny in that car. I can tell you that. Right. Not even getting that. You're gonna Dude. have to be strapped to the roof. Dude, it was. I don't know how we did that, but that was another. That was, Man, you know, that was whew, that was a crazy time. Well, my my number one is uh, decommissioned police vehicles. Oh my god, I should have put that as number one. Your list that that's 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 the real number one. I just yeah. You know, I don't, uh, I mean, whatever, man, people do what they want to do for their own reasons, but you just look like a damn fool if you're riding around in like an old police vehicle and you still have the lights on, you know, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like the side light. Yeah. They still got that stuff and you piss everybody off because then they have to wonder about it. And there's no way that that be all right. I get the idea that the police department probably keeps up with the maintenance, but you're going to tell me that thing's not been ridden hard and put away wet. Like, (laughs) I mean, that's gotta be a piece that had that. Even if it is perfectly maintained, that thing has to be like one wrong thing away from just completely breaking down at all times. It's, it's, it's all, uh, based upon like trying to look cool. I have to believe. And it's always usually the same kind of person Right, that I find driving those vehicles, and it's just, it's it's just annoy. It's an it's an annoyance to me. My number two, which in hindsight not that great, is just any brown car. <laughs> Why would you buy brown in a car? <sighs> That's the worst color car, brown car. I mean, I'd have to think on it, but yeah, I mean, I can't think of a color right away that's worse than brown. But think of like any car that you can think of and imagine it in brown. <laughs> it just, why would I mean, you, why'd you buy that? Because it's it's brown. What can brown do for you? That has to be the worst slogan of all time. <laughs> and they've still got that going. I, like who approved that? If I like, like I was the CEO of the car company that made the Prowler or the PT Cruiser, when somebody came to me with the slogan, what can Brown do for you? I would have fired everyone on that team. All of you immediately fired. Don't even get your shit. Get out of the building. You're just, you're just gone. Just leave. Just get out of the building and don't put me down as a resume. Don't even mention that you worked here. I, I actually think it's kind of a catchy, not knowing nothing about the slogan really. Other than what it is. Does that um, make you want to do business? with? Okay, there's a company. And the company slogan is, what can Brown do for you? Do you want to work with that company? I mean, it's irrelevant what I, what I would do. I, I think maybe as times in, in, in things change, maybe you might want to relook at that 
phrase, but apparently nobody has looked at it very, very hard recently. So they need to step up. Also, the fact that FedEx never had a commercial with DMX giving it to people and delivering packages is one of the greatest mistakes of our time. X going to give it to you. How did that not happen? You know, man, I, I got to tell you, we, we grew up in that era where DMX was like really influential, uh, like in the prime of his career. I was never a big DMX fan. I just wasn't. Wow. Well, some people don't like to have fun. <laughs> All right. Let's see. What do I got my honorable mention? Um, I have a Ford Pinto, a mm. Pontiac Aztec, mm-hmm. uh, any vehicle named after a dignitary like the Pope Mobile. Just think that's yeah. stupid. And then uh, I feel kind of weird putting this one on there, but I had to. The Hot Dog Mobile. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know how that applies to anything, but I, I would say, like, I, if I was going to give big generalities, I would say any car named after a physical location, like a city, is usually a piece of shit. God, I don't can you, I, I don't know even know if I can name one off the top of my head that I know. The uh, Toyota Tacoma, oh, kind yeah. of piece of shit. Something well, there's a Tucson. I can't think of what it there is. There is, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, the Azteca. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, once again, uh, Malibu, kinda, Chevy Malibu, kind of a kinda, piece of shit. Kind of going back on what you said, you know, if someone brought me those names and I was the head of those car companies, I would be like, "You're fired." Okay, that's gonna go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. Apologies in advance if you drive one of these cars. You got to do what you got to do. But if you had other options and you went ahead and picked the smart car, come on. You know what you're doing. It's fine if you're going to do that, but don't pretend like you're not doing it, okay? That's that's the main thing. It's fine if you want to do it, but don't pretend like you're not doing it. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.